0: Welcome to Chromecast Tech It Out, hosted
1: by service-centric, people-first, UK technology consultancy, Chrome Technologies. Welcome to today's edition of Chromecast Tech It Out. I'm Sam Major, and once again joined by Rupert Mills, my business partner and co-founder. Today we talk about the technical considerations of moving from on-premise exchange to 365. Microsoft State, they now have over a million business uh, customers for... 365, with the US being the largest market, but the UK being the second largest consumer of this service. Clearly, Microsoft's plan is to encourage us all into the cloud. And given that, do you think that uh, 2019 is the last iteration we'll see of on-premise exchange? And what are the pros and cons of that?
0: Honestly, no. Um, We were told that Exchange 2016 was going to be the last on-premise Exchange, uh, then along no came 2019. So I would, I would suggest that we're likely to consider in the, uh, continue in the same vein. Um, exchange itself, I think, has been around for obviously since 1996, something like that. Um, and, from that perspective it's it's been a product that was one of Microsoft's leading products for years. They are without a doubt pushing everybody to office three six five makes total sense from their perspective, but there's always going to be those niche systems which you can't do it with so we've got customers who are in very remote jungles on small islands, et cetera, and the connectivity there for running an off for running a cloud based service just isn't there and I think probably what's happened is that the the people within Microsoft have realized that where well, you've got a large corporate who's going to have Most of their people in Office 365, they need a hybrid environment because they need
1: to be able to keep those few small people still in a remote location. So I doubt that it will be the last version. So on a previous podcast, we've talked about how Microsoft are encouraging us all into 365 and cloud services uh, in general. Uh, I mean, you talked also about how it doesn't fit for everyone. It's not necessarily a a uh, one-size-fits-all approach to to be cloud or or to be on-prem. In your experience, in your opinion what are the key considerations uh, that we need to factor in when looking at do we migrate to the cloud?
0: So a lot of those migrations can be quite simple. Um, it's often relatively straightforward to, to migrate, but the key thing for me is getting the tenant right in the first instance. So a tenant is kind of the cloud-based equivalent of an active directory or something along those lines, where it's the underlying piece that pins together the entire infrastructure for what you're building. There's a lot of people that will take the approach of, okay, I need to get a cloud service up and running. So it might be Teams is a common one, especially with what's happened recently with COVID-19, etc. Um but from that perspective, the, the key piece is getting the tenant set up right because if you go and say, I'm just doing this to get teams running and you create a tenant that isn't correct for the rest of your organization, it's actually remarkably difficult to unpick that later without just turning the whole thing off and starting again. So getting the tenant right is almost like setting the foundations right if you're building a house or mm-hmm. building your Active Directory properly in the first place. If you get it set up right, then you can easily build on it and inc- implement implement the other services later on you can easily build on it and implement the other services later on but if you get it set up wrong then that means you could end up having to have a lot of cost in setting it right later or essentially unpick and start again so getting the tenant set up right is really the key thing that i'd say is most concern when you're starting from starting office it's interesting
1: one i was going to ask you know is there the easiest way to migrate you know the silver bullet the panacea way of doing it doesn't seem like there is other than the pre-planning it's very all the products we undertake it will start with that definition workshop understanding what we're doing and why we're doing it and that seems to fit very much in line with with our methodology and ways of working
0: yeah I would say that that's that's definitely the case you need to look at what the client is trying to achieve and how big they are um, in order to take the right approach for them some people will will massively overblow it and some people will under consider what's going on for me there's kind of two approaches there's either a big bang approach where you take everything and you push it all in, in one go or there's a stage migration approach up to about 50 people you can take a big bang approach and just say right we're going to Tell everybody email's down for the weekend. We'll migrate you over. And when you come back on Monday, you have a new system. We can set that up and get that moved over. You can handhold it through very quickly. If you are more than 50 users, then actually a staged migration approach where you have both systems living in coexistence for a while, you migrate a few users, you test it, etc., is probably a much more... Um, sensitive way to go about the migration. It's much more um, user-friendly for those mm-hmm. end users.
1: Yeah, no one likes change.
0: <laughs> yeah, no one likes <laughs> change, exactly. But for me, the key point is that actually we've we've had clients with 10 users who've said, right, I want to have migration workshops and having them. <laughs> 10 users, we can do that in less than a day. Just let's yeah. move them all over and get them done. All of that time that you spend planning is probably more time than it's going to take to the whole migration. Yeah. Whereas we've had customers with five, 600 users, maybe 1,000 users who said, oh, this is easy. We'll just turn on Office 365. And if they don't get the tenant set right properly in the first case, they don't get the coexistence right, and they try and do it in a big bang, trying to migrate 500 users' worth of email over a weekend is challenging. Um, so, so there's there's the two different approaches, and really, it's about choosing the right one for the business, and then working through with the client what else there is that intertwines with the existing mail system.
1: And with the event of multi-device environments now being incredibly common, so smartphones, iPads, tablets, gosh, everything—you know, everyone's walking around with a plethora of devices on us. Um, how does this affect how we plan migrations, and what impact? can that have? So you
0: need to consider mail access from any device. Um, Obviously, as you say, people were historically, you sit down at your PC, use your email, and that was how you migrated. Now you've got your mobile, you've got whatever other devices, you've got other systems linked in, and you need to plan that. So for us, it can be a question of looking at pushing out configs to devices, what kind of mobile device management do you have in place? There's other things like the Outlook client on your desktop. So the later versions of Exchange require a minimum level of Outlook in order to operate. So for example, we've seen clients where they've got very old versions of Office still within their environment. They've, Said, oh yeah, we're going to migrate to 365, pushed up to 365, and then going, oh, hang on a minute, none of my Outlook users will connect anymore. Uh, well, no, because you've got a very yeah. old version of Office. And so t- taking all of those things and pointing them out up front can save the the pain of trying to solve them on the day later on. Um, but it, it's one of those that actually you need to take a look at all the possible connections into your. Exchange Server environment mm-hmm. and how those connections are going to migrate. So it's um, it's important to do your homework. It's back to the
1: pre-planning. Back to the pre-planning, absolutely. So as a business, we've undertaken some small ones, but also some very large uh, migrations. You know, including uh, up to one hundred and fifty thousand mailboxes plus. Um, when planning enterprise scale migrations, what lessons have we learned? Um, I guess what's What's the most nasty or important gotcha that people need to consider when they're looking at large enterprise migrations?
0: Large enterprise migrations, I would suggest that you need to be looking at all of the things outside of your user base. So the user base tend to be the obvious area to look at. Okay, we've got X number of users to migrate with X number of mail data or X amount of mail data And and you you can work out fairly quickly a ratio of how many you can move a day, how long that migration is going to take, and how it's all going to work and fit together. But it's actually all the other historic applications that, especially in a large enterprise, will have been built over time, are going to have hooks into the mail system. They may not support modern mail protocols. They may be looking for particular. It's not uncommon for people over time to... Hard code things into Exchange into servers to point to certain Exchange servers or whatever that may be. Um, so, so that's a really common one. I would say looking at your archive. Don't forget your archive. Yeah. People often say, right, we're going to move all the data into Office three hundred and sixty five, and then we're going to turn on the Microsoft compliance features, and we've got archiving. Well, that's great, but if you've got an ex- existing archive, how do you get all the data out of that and into your Office three hundred and sixty five? Or if you're not going to and you're going to let that run down over time, you need to budget for keeping that existing archive and potentially an existing exchange server in place to keep that running through until it ages out over 3, 7, 10, whatever your compliance regime of years is. But you need to make sure that you've taken into account keeping that running because often people don't. Um, Outside of that, I would say don't migrate the VIPs first. It's um, <laughs> it's, it's not uncommon for people to say, oh, I want to put the, put the VIPs in, show them the new functionality, show them all the new stuff they've got. And actually, they're the people who are going to be most time-constrained with regard to troubleshooting or solving any problems at the time. So... Our recommendation is don't migrate the VIPs first, no matter how tempting it may be. That's a that's always a challenging one. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's the it's the it's the systems in the periphery, the systems around it that you need to make sure you really take it, take care of. And then obviously we've talked about before backup thereafter. So once you put all the data there, how are you looking after it, and what are you doing to back it up? So um, those would be the gotchas from my perspective.
1: Brilliant, thank you. Um, that's us for today. Hopefully, that's been useful. Uh, if you'd like us to cover anything more detail, we'd like to ask us questions, by all means, uh, put that in the comments section below. And please remember to like, subscribe, share and give us feedback. It's always useful. Helps us shape the content uh, of the various people that I'll have on the podcast with me. And thank you for joining us. This has been Chromecast. Take it out. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. For more information or to speak to Chrome, visit
0: www.chrome.co.uk. Spelled K-R-O-M-E.
1: That's chrome.co.uk.